0: We're three weeks away from heading to the ballot box in the country's 44th federal election. Did Canadians really deserve a say, as the Prime Minister notes? Hello and welcome to Unpublished TV. I'm Ed Hand. We're just over two weeks into this campaign and already the Liberal bus is off course. When the Prime Minister announced the election, it's fact of opportunism. There was no bill defeated to lead to an election. The next vote was to be two years away, according to our fixed election dates, but a number said the had to grits flirting with majority territory. And since the pandemic started, the Liberals, with a minority, have been able to govern through the pandemic with the support of the NDP. And there seemed to be little the two were squabbling about to indicate a loss of confidence. Our unpublished question asks, do you feel the need for a federal election right now? Just over 30% said yes. More than two-thirds said no, 2% unsure. However you're watching and listening through our show, whether through our social media channels on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, or our podcast channels, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more. I'd like to remind you, you can still cast your vote on this topic at unpublished.vote and email your MP to tell them why. Now, joining us to discuss whether this election should have been called and the first couple of weeks on the trail, I'm pleased to be joined by Keto Maggie, President and CEO of Main Street Research, Warren Kinsella, a political commentator and a former special advisor to Prime Minister Jean Chen. Nelson Wiseman, Professor of Political Science at the University of Toronto, and Katrina Miller is the Program Director at the Broadband Institute. And our poll question asking about did we need a
1: federal election, let's go around around the horn. Nelson, do you think we needed a federal election? Well, the public doesn't think there was any need for an election to be called, and I think that's really what's hurting Trudeau now. They underestimated it because they they, we've seen in past elections when the prime minister goes early, uh, it's an issue for the first couple of days and then it dies off. It's not dying off. And I think the real narrative so far in the election is that people are upset that we're having an election during the pandemic. And indeed parliament just in the spring voted overwhelmingly. I think there was only one objection saying that we shouldn't have an election while the pandemic's on. And right now we're in a fourth wave.
0: Keto Maggie, Main Street's got some new numbers out, right? I guess in the last couple of days, I'm wondering when you de- when you delve, delve deeper into it, uh, is some of the conservative surge coming from people upset with uh, the Liberals calling an
1: election?
2: Yeah, people are unhappy. Um, you know, I, th- I think that largely the, the answer to your question is no, people didn't want selection election. We had a poll out just before the election saying, Do people, is right now a good time for an election? And 65% of Canadians told us no, just 35% said yes. And ironically, uh, perhaps that most of the people who actually wanted an election were in Alberta, in the prairies, young people, people typically not supportive of the prime minister or of this government. Um, So we're seeing that enthusiasm gap now play out Uh, as we're seeing this conservative uh, surge in the polls at least the last 10 days. Last night, it kind of stabilized, still sitting in our polls at about a nine point lead uh, for the conservatives. So definitely, no, it was not time for an election.
0: Warren, do you think this is opportunistic?
2: Yes.
3: (laughs) Yes, I do. It was dumb. It was it was stupid. It was a mistake. You know, I uh, my um, I don't have Keto's numbers or, or Professor Wiseman's background, but I've been talking to a lot of liberals, uh, and, you know, and candidates who have been going in the doors, and I've said to them, well, what are you getting? And they said, well, people are pissed off that the election's been called. I said, well, what vote, you know, are you, is identified liberal votes? Identified liberal voters were pissed off. And, they, you know, it's for the reasons that keto and, and Dr. Wiseman said is just, people didn't want to have an election during a pandemic where everybody knew it would be surging. And then Afghanistan, I think, made it even worse because people said, well, this is something you should be focusing on. You're not. And you're preoccupied with this vanity election, this Seinfeldian election, and they're mad about it. And then the anger, as as your friends have said, uh, is not dissipating. It's not going away. What do you think, Katrina? Did we need this election?
4: Uh, well, I, I, I can do not much more, but agree with what has already been pointed out. I Like Lauren, I've spoken to a number of liberal friends and colleagues uh, who are shaking their heads in disbelief, especially two weeks out the door, not finding themselves in a very strong position and finding themselves in a growingly uh, weakened position. Um, and I think that, you know, Canadians generally uh, saw a government prior to this election being called, that was working for them, that was, in fact, responding to the needs of Canadians, that there was healthy debate between the parties, that the minority government um, situation that we've been in has actually produced some very, very productive and responsive results, and that there wasn't a need for us to have an election in order to respond to the crisis that we're facing right now with COVID. There wasn't a need for us to have an election to develop a recovery plan that Canadians can get behind. And there wasn't a need for us to have an election in order to make a government that works because the government working just fine. So Canadians are sitting back asking themselves, why are we in this place? Why are we facing a fourth wave of the pandemic? We're dealing with uh, international crises. And why are we in this place and also facing an election? And I I think, you know, I think Warren and other, you know, the other commentators are right that we would have expected for this to be something that the Liberals would wear for three or four days, and then everyone would have to move past it. Um, But what we're finding out is that people are getting more and more angry as the election goes on, and that is quite unusual.
0: uh, Nelson, is there a ballot question in this election
1: that you can see? Is there a definite ballot question that all parties are focused on? Yeah, I don't see it on policy issues. The closest thing, the ballot question is should we have an election? And on that question, the the great danger to the Liberals is that uh, following up on what Warren said is that a lot of Liberals who are upset but aren't going to vote Conservative or NDP are going to sit on their hands and not vote. So I predict we're going to have significantly lower voter turnout in the election But I think the election will be closer than what Tito's polls suggest. I don't don't see the Conservatives at 9% ahead of the Liberals. If if I average all the polls, the Conservatives are more or less where they were at the last election, maybe one or two percentage points behind. It looks to me right now, but things are changing. It's a a dynamic campaign that the NDP is going to chew into Liberal support and the Conservatives will pick up some uh, suburban seats both in Vancouver and in uh, Toronto. You know, uh, how is uh, the NDP
0: performing? Are are we seeing a a, a bit of a boost for the Jagmeet Singh in the party? Yeah, the NDP is definitely much higher than they were in
2: pre-election polling. Throughout the year, we probably probably had them averaging somewhere around 14%. Right now, they're sitting almost 20%. Uh, including significantly higher in 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 some of the sub in in some of the regions in British Columbia, they're significantly higher than they were um, uh, in Atlantic region. They're sitting significantly higher um, and and marginally higher in Ontario. Um, I think our latest seat count projection has them up by six or seven seats um, with the Liberals down close to 20 seats overall currently. Um, I think Nelson is largely correct about the polls. Uh, I, I, I think summertime polling, summertime sampling. Uh, I've spoken uh, a lot about this on social media the last couple of days that I do think some of that, you know, imagine the audience that we're speaking to right now are not the folks who were on vacation um leading up to Labor Day. It's it's the folks who didn't get that vacation and um i would expect these numbers to sort of level off back to more of a tie um similar to what we had in in 2019 and and if that's the result um you know why did we have the selection after all
0: Um, yeah exactly Exactly. I understand that. Uh, Katrina, uh, just looking at the first couple of weeks of the campaign you now, protesters got real nasty last week and Bolton to the point of canceling an event with uh, the prime minister. Have we run into that kind of nastiness in, in previous elections? I, I, you know, I've covered a lot of elections. I don't recall anything getting so, so, so pointed at one person.
4: I don't either. Not not in the way that we've seen, and not so early on. I find it very, uh, you know, very disturbing um, that we could be falling into where we've seen other jurisdictions go, particularly the states, some places in Europe, where you have this, you know, very nasty edge to the campaigns, particularly from third party organizations that are interjecting in ways that you know, in some ways, could be considered almost anti democratic, where they're taking over. Uh, they're taking over events, they're taking over debates, and they're shutting things down and disrupting. Um, I really hope we don't see a continuation of that. Certainly, there are some very angry Canadians out there, and they need to find their voice in this election. And I think politicians need to respond to that voice, recognizing that Canadians have had a a very rough 18 months at least Certain segments of them have and really do want to see now that we're in an election that we clearly didn't want, uh, want to see what what the politicians and what the parties have to offer us, why they put us in this election in the first place and what they have to offer us in going forward. Um, I think, you know, the concern that people have right now around the economy is a growing and changing element of this election. I don't think we were expecting to have an election about the economy with growing inflation rates, uh, with people coming back into a fall and a greater uncertainty about the economy. We kind of, I think, as Canadians, expected the economy uh, would pick itself back up, um, and certainly we were given that impression uh, in the spring budget that it would pick itself back up quite quickly. And what we're seeing now is some indications that that may not be the case. So we may see uh, you know, the election themes and priorities evolve over time. And I think the economy is going to play a greater role than we might have expected to expect.
0: Now, Warren, you've obviously run a few war rooms and uh, done the federal election thing. You ever seen anything as nasty and pointed as what we saw in Bolton? And it seems it just seems all the targeting goes right at uh, Justin Trudeau?
3: Yeah, no, I have. I mean, the, honestly, guys, uh, maybe it's just because I'm an old fart and cynical, but like every, uh, every campaign, there are people at the end of it saying this is the ugliest campaign ever. It's the nastiest okay. campaign. It, it gets said every time. What's different here is these people are organized. These are anti or anti-mask mask lunatics and you know they they've been getting ready for this moment for a year and a half so what we're seeing is more organization not necessarily bigger protests i remember when i worked for mr kretsia there was a protest of farmers there's 40,000 screaming farmers on parliament hill you know carrying around nooses and all kinds of other things so yeah you know regrettably these things happen in a democracy what i'm noticing is these people seem to be quite organized some of them reporters are telling me are showing up in different parts of the country. So that means somebody's putting some money behind it and there's an organizational effort underway. So that's different, but -hmm. you know, does it hurt Trudeau? I, I, you know, well, let's, you know, you go back to 1968 his dad was at the St. Jean-Baptiste parade on the podium and people, the separatists started to throw rocks at him and everybody left except for Trudeau and Trudeau got a majority out of it. So, you know, these things cut both ways. I think that uh, You know, Trudeau Jr. is quite a skillful politician, and I think what we're seeing is him making some use of these protests in a way that will accrue to his benefit.
0: Nelson, which party's voters do you feel are the most motivated?
1: Well, the Conservatives have the uh, most solid base, I would say. In other words, you, you know exactly how Saskatchewan Alberta and, rural, and many rural parts of Ontario are gonna vote. The Liberals have the largest potential pool of voters. Uh, the uh, NDP has, uh, has a base as well. That The great danger to the NDP is uh, if a lot of them, if they sense the Conservatives are, could win and the NDP can't win obviously, uh, they vote strategically and swing over to the Liberals. Uh, but the dynamic in this election is quite different. Uh, There isn't a sense that the Conservatives are gonna win a majority. And in fact, we've already had Jagmeet Singh say, something he didn't say in 2019. At that time, he said that under no conditions could he work with Andrew Scheer. This time, he's sort of hedging his bet. So that's bad news for uh, for the Liberals. And I can see the NDP picking up, well, we've talked about this, picking up some seats. I'm not sure the economy, well, I don't know about the economy, about sympathy for Trudeau. I think there's sympathy of what Trudeau is facing, but I don't think that's gonna translate to people running out to vote for him.
0: Keto, uh, uh, you know, from what you've looked at, which
1: which party's voters are, are, are the most
0: motivated? You know, in particular, if you look at Liberals, um, if you're not really keen on your leader, it's going to be tough to motivate your voters to get out Yeah,
2: I think, you know, tomorrow we're, we're releasing uh, a whole new set of data. We've okay. been asking throughout the election seven questions on seven issues. Which leader uh, do you trust um, moving forward on a number of on a number of issues. Pandemic performance, access to healthcare, climate change, housing affordability, reconciliation with indigenous communities and racial inequality, uh, uh, restarting the the economy and creating jobs going going forward. Those numbers tomorrow I think are gonna answer the question that, that we've been facing, that I've been facing online for the last 10 days, which is why. Why are these numbers moving? Nothing's really happened. Um, it boils down to trust in my view. And iron- perhaps ironically, I'm not even sure it's ironic. The only number that, that uh, Trudeau wins in all of those questions is around pandemic performance. And of course it's because he's been dealing with it, um, but on every other measure in, in, in social policy, ju- people trust me Judge- saying more on economic policy questions people trust Aaron O'Toole more. Um, I, I think it speaks to perhaps the ballot box question, which is, do people trust this prime minister who's now been there six years to actually deliver on on, on what he's promised? Um, that may eventually be the ballot box question. And and that's not one I think the current prime minister wins. No, no, that's
0: I wanted for to sure. Just
4: jump off, jump off. It might the my other key to around. Sure. Uh, you know, what's... Uh, what trust levels can you have in various politicians? Because, of course, we started this election, I think, with a couple of polls saying that affordability and cost of living was, you know, the major issue and concern on top of people's minds, of course. Uh, that involves a lot of different policy uh, policy areas, of housing, the economy, taxes, uh, healthcare, what have you, but that generally it was gathering in people's minds around this concern around their cost of living, whether or not they would be able to afford uh, the life that they wanted, the life they feel they should have, or even the life that they have now um, coming down the pike. Um, I think that on affordability, what we've seen in the polls is that, you know, for the most part, in terms of what I've seen, that Justin Chideau and Jagmeet Singh are largely uh, tied in terms of trust on that. But there's a lot of voters that are sitting there undecided, not sure who they trust most to ensure that their life is affordable, or life is affordable generally in Canada in the future. And I think that that's where... Um, I'm excited to see what the election brings in terms of where people see uh, see their trust. Eventually, decide to store their trust. Eventually, when it comes mm-hmm. to election day around affordability issues, because I think all of these connect back up to affordability issues um, in people's minds.
0: Uh, Warren, uh, turnout in a pandemic: uh, Are voters concerned enough to find a, an alternative way to vote, or do you think perhaps they'll just skip it all together due to health concerns? And who would lose the most in that?
3: Yeah, no, they are. And uh, when I worked to volunteer for Joe Biden on this side of the border, you know, uh, I made hundreds of phone calls as did other volunteers. And all we were focused on was getting out the vote in advance, you know, uh, using a mail-in ballot they'd get from their city clerk or, you know, doing whatever they could. Because what we found is that Democrats, our side of the vote was preoccupied, They believed in social distancing, they believed in vaccines, they believed in masking and Republicans did. not So it just made sense that we would focus our effort on that. I think that, you know, that accrues to the benefit of the, the progressive side of the continuum here in Canada, too. But I, I I tend to think that Jagmeet, because he's running such a great campaign, you know, he's really grown as a politician. He wasn't very effective at the start of his leadership. He really is now. He's the best guy on TV. He's likable. You know, he, he just he's a great political performer. I think that mail-in process, which Elections Canada by the way, it's not a new thing for any of you <laughs> anti-maskers out there. I think this is some um, conspiracy Elections Canada has been doing it up here for decades. Um you know, I think that it it will benefit him. Perhaps it'll benefit Trudeau, but as you know, all of my uh all of the folks you've got on the show are saying people are pissed off at Trudeau. You know, I don't know if we're heading into a David Peterson 1990 Jim Prentice 2014 kind of result, but I wouldn't be surprised because people are ticked off that this election is taking place.
0: I agree completely. Uh, Nelson, a strategic voting, you mentioned that uh, a little earlier, and we should start hearing about that when uh, things start start to tighten up. Do you expect uh, talk about strategic voting soon to come up in this election?
1: You know, I think it really depends on the, on the writing. Uh, mm-hmm. In a lot of writings, uh, you might think you're being strategic. Let's say you don't want the Conservatives, so you're an NDP and you swing to Liberals. But in many writings, it really isn't a factor. Uh, I don't see as much strategic voting in this election because, as I said before, I don't think people perceive the, um, uh, the Conservatives as, as forming a majority government. And when it comes down to policy issues, quite frankly, I don't think policy, my my, my history suggests that policy, does, I'd like to think policy matters a lot. And sometimes it does as in the free trade election of 1988, but essentially it comes down to party brand for a lot of people. And as Quito says, what leader do they feel most comfortable with? Because a lot of people feel, look, I don't know enough about the ins and outs of specific policy areas. Who do I trust to make the right decisions? Jagmeet Singh isn't going to win the election no matter how good a campaign he runs. It's, it's down to O'Toole and, uh, and, and Trudeau. Trudeau has a lot of negatives. O'Toole doesn't have those negatives yet because he's not well known. And unlike Scheer, he's uh, he's positioning the party much more in a centrist location on issues like climate, on issues like unions, on on gay issues. So, you know, you're not going to be credible now as the Liberals have been campaigning in the last six, seven elections. Gee, if you elect the Conservative government, no woman in Canada will ever have an abortion again. That's just not credible now. No,
0: no. You know, Akito, uh, I was doing some reflecting over the weekend, seeing where this election could boil down to, or as a battleground, the prime battleground. I kind of see it as Quebec. Uh, do you see it that way, or what do you see as the strategic battleground? Yeah,
2: I think well, there's probably 45 ridings that are going to ter- determine the outcome of this, and and a disproportionate number of those are in Ontario and Quebec, um, you know, eastern townships of Quebec. How ridings like Shefford? Shefford is my bellwether. Shefford went Liberal, and then all the seats around it, um, and and in 2019, it back to the block. Um, writings like that are the ones to me that are the bellwethers that are gonna determine um, minority, majority. Um, I, I don't see a path for conservatives to majority. It's a very, very tiny uh, uh, sliver of a probability for a conservative majority. Um, certainly the conservatives right now are in a position to potentially win a minority, a plurality of seats. Um, it's a tougher path for them. Uh, it's going to be decided. Obviously, Ontario and Quebec are the are, are the two deciders. You know, this week we're starting. We've changed our battleground ridings based on the new polls. We shifted away from some ridings that we thought the Liberals might pick up, and now we're looking at ridings where the Conservatives um, might pick up. Starting with Oakville, it's probably one of the most vulnerable seats. Uh, in the 905, along with Mississauga Lakeshore. So, along with the national polls, we like to take snapshots of ridings to kind of test where, what, what, what it's saying at the riding level. Um, and and so that's going to be a real important. This week is going to be a very important week to determine whether are the national polls actually reflective, or are the riding polls telling a different story. Um, so if those seats are in trouble, that's where, that's where the conservatives can, can form a government is if they, they need to win ridings like Aurora, Oak Ridges, uh, or sorry, hold ridings like Aurora, o- Oak Ridges, Richmond Hill, plus pick up ridings like Oakville, Mississauga, Lakeshore, um, Whitby and, and, and a whole other list, um, uh, in that 905 belt. And similarly, uh, in around Quebec City, if they pick up beauport Limelou and and mille fjord and, and, and are competitive in ridings like Shefford, that's that's where the selections won or lost.
1: May I say you know, something about Quebec? Sure. Because we really sure. haven't been talking about Quebec or the Bloc Québécois if they're not in the election. The reason the election has been called is because the Liberal path to victory, their perception was through Quebec because support for the Bloc Québécois was waning. And for a lot of Quebecers, what was the Bloc accomplishing? And there was, on the whole, they were happy with Trudeau. But the dynamic has now changed. And while I don't see Quebecers rushing to embrace the Conservatives, I can see the campaign reinforcing the position of the Bloc Quebecois because Quebecers, the savviest of Canadian voters, the ones who can swing the most, And half swung, they can vote for all three parties, all four parties in the last few elections. They vote strategically. And they can see that if the Conservatives do win, the Bloc will hold the balance of power. Similarly, if the Liberals win, it'll be a minority. So it'll be in the interest of these Francophone communities now to rally behind the Bloc Québécois, whereas about a month ago, two months ago, it looked like they were going to desert the Bloc.
0: It's Katrina, because, you know, obviously the NDP made real big headways in 2011. In Quebec, do you see uh, the possibility of gaining more there this time around?
4: I don't. I, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to say that I don't see a whole lot of uh, a whole mm. lot of potential in Quebec for the NDP. I certainly do in BC. I think there's um, some writings in Ontario, particularly in Toronto and some of the urban centres. What we saw in in 2019, which is certainly not surprising, is that the NDP's vote. Uh, was strong in urban centres and that's where they need to focus their attention right now is on urban centres across Canada uh, in order to see if they can pull some of those seats over to their side. And I think we will see them gain a few seats um, in this election. I mean, ultimately, I think, you know, all of the speculation and all of the polling still points to us having the minority government at the end of this election, which will make Canadians wonder yet again, Why did we have an election if we ended up with a minority government that's just slightly shifted the seats around? Um, You know, what I think will matter is what kind of minority government is it? Is it a liberal minority government? Is it a conservative minority government? And in the end, what will we all deem as being the ballot box issues that people actually went and decided to vote on? And how does that change the government's mandate? If it does change the government's mandate uh, come, you know, September 21st. So I think that you know, we may not see a huge change in government, but hopefully, what we will get out of this election, because I would really like us to get something, is it's a mandate from Canadians as what they think the priorities are and what they want to see our next government work on.
0: You know, Warren, in the in the first couple of weeks of this campaign, we had the manipulated media Twitter posts from Christian Freeland. Uh, we had Moncef uh, calling the Taliban our brothers. It seems a little war room seems to be reacting opposed to dictating. Is this the loss of previous leaders of the last two campaigns that seem to be hamstringing them? Uh,
3: You know, I think the war rooms actually have been less of a factor in this campaign. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's been events, dear boy, events. Um, You know, Afghanistan, like foreign affairs, just rarely plays a role. Certainly in Canadian campaigns, eighty-eight. As the professor pointed out, the free trade election, but it really it doesn't come up very often. And Afghanistan has kind of fascinated me because it's just been so horrible. It's been on TV every single night. People have been watching it and have been asking themselves a pretty simple question, which is Canada had allies over there, people who helped us during the war. And why are not we doing more to help those people? And, um, you know, Trudeau, as was the case on the day he called the election, which was the day that Kabul fought, fell, like he needed to have an answer. Like, if you're going to call an election early, as Peterson and, and Prentice showed, you, you got to have a reason for doing it. And, and he needed to come out, uh, you know, to the microphones in front of Rideau Hall and say, I'm Justin Trudeau and I'm here because of blank. And he didn't do that. You know, he didn't say what the election, he said it was consequential, he said it was pivotal, but he didn't say what it was about, you know, which is what, you know, the people on the panel, we call the ballot question, but what normal people call, well, what the hell are we having an election for? That answer after two weeks is still not forthcoming. The next week, the Liberals, in my opinion, the war room has to come back. They've got to go neg hard because the debates are taking place in about six or seven days. You you lose days to that. Most people watch the debates to have their decision ratified, not to have their minds changed. And then it's gonna be you know the last few days before the vote. So this is it. This is the week the Liberals need to uh, figure out a way to save their campaign, because right now I think they're going down.
0: All right, well, I wanna thank all our guests today on Unpublished TV. Great discussion, Keno Baggy, president and CEO of Main Street Research, Warren Kinsella, political commentator and former special advisor, to Prime Minister Jean Gretchen, Nelson Wiseman, Professor of Political Science at the University of Toronto, and Katrina Miller is the Program Director at the Broadbent Institute. Coming up on the next UTV, we'll take a look at affordable housing in this election campaign. Thanks for watching. Unpublished TV. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hampton.